Hi everyone, it's Dina McKay, and I'm finally back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. On this episode, I have Devin Jackson, a Brooklyn native that's not your typical millennial. At 26 years old, he is currently the CTO of MajorWise, a career discovery platform for organizations and high school students to manage their internships. He also is the CEO of We Built Black, a community of 2,500 plus technologists, which include UX designers, developers, data scientists, and more. We Build Black develops events and programming around tech education, mentorship, and diversity and inclusion in the tech industry. Devin is a proven advocate for diversity and inclusion, which you'll learn from the podcast episode. He has used the We Build Black platform to address issues such as a lack of representation of women in technology through the Maven's IO Black Women in Tech Conference, which is coming up on May 18th in New York City. You'll hear more about this event which is hosted at Google during the episode. Devin's hope with all of his work is that the members of his organizations can spark the change in technology that will make it a more equitable space for black and brown people. Now, before we get started, I do have a major announcement. Many of you might not know, but Black Tech Unplugged is turning two years old in a couple of weeks. And to celebrate, there's going to be a Black Tech Unplugged live episode on June 13th in Chicago. You can find information regarding the live podcast episode on the Black Tech Unplugged website in the episode show notes. And you can also search on Eventbrite under Black Tech Unplugged to find out details. I'd love to see as many people as I could in the audience And also just know that tickets are limited, so buy your tickets as soon as possible. Now, let's get it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. On this episode, I have Devin Jackson. How's it going, Devin? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Of course. And for my listeners who might not be familiar with some of your work, I would love for you to introduce yourself and let them know what you do. For sure, for sure. So I'm the CTO of a company called MajorWise. And what that is, it's an online platform for high schools to manage their internships and for them to connect with companies who are interested in finding interns for those positions. And what that helps some of these students do is figure out what they want to do earlier in their life so that they don't go through four years of college and, and figure out that they might want to do something else with their life or, and, and you know turn on to a different path. I'm also the CEO of a nonprofit called We Build Black, which is a platform, uh, not an online platform, but um, just in general, a platform and organization that uplifts black technologists and specifically the people that are sitting behind the computer, the data scientists, the developers, uh, the DevOps people, um, the people who are actually creating the technology. 
Awesome. And let's start our conversation around We Build Black. For my listeners who aren't familiar with We Build Black, let's kind of go into a little bit more detail around what your organization does. So like I said, we, you know, we, we focused around um, empowering and educating the Black community. Um, and, and those three things right there are our three pillars, education, empowerment, and community. We do STEM courses within the middle schools and high schools in New York City. We also have a recidivism program where we teach youth who are at risk of going to prison or back to prison how to code so that they have a skill set to take with them and create a career off of. In terms of community, we have a Slack group, a meetup group that we do events through. And in terms of empowerment, of course, you know, uh, you know, we have our Mavis IL Black Women in Tech Conference that will be happening at uh, Google in May. Yes, you do. And we are going to get more into your Black Women in Tech Conference that's coming up soon. But before we turn to that, I want to know, so you guys are doing a lot for the community with We Build Black. So what was your inspiration behind that? Was there your aha moment that you decided, you know what, my community needs this? Uh, I would say there wasn't necessarily an aha moment, but more a culmination of experiences. I started off doing help desk and moved into network engineering, realized that that wasn't for me, and decided to become a software engineer. And in general, throughout that whole experience, I never found any black people, to be honest, and just anybody who could really mentor me that was like me. Um, and it sort of built up a bit of an imposter syndrome. Uh, and that, that really made it hard, especially in the software engineering space, for me to progress. Uh, and, and I wanted to make sure that other people didn't necessarily have that same experience and there was a community that they could always reach out to uh, and find somebody who can, who can help them through their, their careers and their, their endeavors. And what's very interesting that you said is that you never saw a Black person who was doing your job or someone that you felt looked like you who could mentor you. And I want to know from your position, because I feel like a lot of my listeners have been in that same position and might be in that position now. How did that make you feel and how did you overcome? Well, I I, honestly, I don't think I ever quite overcame it. Um, Mm -hmm. It was more so something that I had to, I, I had to find the, the community for them to help me through that. So as much as the community thinks that we help them, and they actually have helped us um, greatly. Uh, so the first person that I even found that was black within within the community, I latched on to just to you know kind of prove my point. They're actually my co-founder, um, Jerome Moore, the head of education. Um, so when when we created this community we didn't really expect people to show up or at least not as many as, as, as they did. Um, it's like finding a unicorn. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You want to expand <laughs> on that a little bit? Because I feel like we, if you talk to black people who are in tech, that's one of the first things that they're looking for, at least from my perspective is that community and where they can go to grow. So what mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm just surprised that you think that a lot of people weren't going to show up at first. Well, okay. So the way that we looked at it was like, I can't find anybody who looks like me, but I feel like you're out there, right? Like I can't be that crazy. So we decided to set this up to see if people would show. And literally we just threw it in the middle of like a Starbucks the first time. Uh, and, and the first person who even showed up is actually now part of the operational team as well. Um, but generally the first day that we did this, it was about what three people that showed up. And we we realized like okay, 
after a certain while, we're not going to be able to do this here. So we moved to the office that I was working at at the time. Um, and around 30 people started showing up there and we were packed in like this one room, like office with the fact that people showed up and didn't care that they didn't have a seat. The fact that they could just show up and meet other people who look like them or were in the same space, they're fine with that. We didn't have any food. We didn't have any drinks. They just like literally showed up and was, was happy with being around people who shared the same interests as them and look like them. And I do have to commend you because the fact that people did show up means that you were building something that's valuable to the community and also was helpful. So obviously the growth of your organization and having that around is inspiring people in your community. And one thing that I actually want to touch on is the participants for We Build Black. So what kind of people should come to your event? So we make sure that anyone and everyone feels comfortable to come. But of course, everything that we do is geared at Blacks, uh, Blacks in the tech community uh, mm-hmm. so that they know that they feel uh, this is a safe space when they come and that, you know, they're going to feel protected when they show up and that the interests are being invested in. All right. So I want to just clarify. So it doesn't have to be, it's not just people who are programmers or coders. Could it be someone who's a scrum master or a QA analyst? Anyone's invited is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. So we don't just deal with only engineers and and designers and data scientists, even though that is the niche that we like to focus on. We also have product managers. We have scrum masters and everything of that degree. I love that. And I love that you touch on a lot of different aspects in tech, because as you probably know and experience that a lot of people think tech is just anyone who's a programmer or a coder. And obviously, I think with my podcast and also what you're doing, it opens the world to understand that there's many different aspects to tech, not just programmers and coders. We're all out here doing things that are amazing and we're all out here trying to learn. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, we're we're kind of, I want to say two different sides of a coin that sort of need each other. So you talk about founders and product managers, they can't exactly do their job without us, right? Like, so we're an organization of engineers and data scientists, and we, we can't exactly operate without founders coming up to us and asking, hey, can you connect us with somebody who can help me build this idea? That's something that we deal with all the time. But then on top of that, people like you who help, you know, market uh, market engineers and founders and things like that. We need that because engineers generally are not always the most, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for, out there person, social person. And, and that's even speaking for myself sometimes, you know, like I can turn the switch on and off, but we need that so that people can push us to show others these talents and, and show others that there's people out there who are doing these things, right? Right, exactly. And one point that you touched on was your own career. So I want to go through that process of what you've done, because you've had a lot of skill sets, and you've done a lot of interesting things in your career. So let's start with, how did you even get into tech? Was tech something you knew you always were going to get into? Or is it something that kind of fell into your lap? So realistically, I've always wanted to get into tech um, because well, when I was a kid, because I really like video games, and I always thought, you know, if you allowed me to make the video game, I can make the illest video game ever. Um, and <laughs> that was just my thing. You know, I love RPGs and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And when when I got into high school, I went to Murray Bertram. It was kind of like a mini college. Like you went to high school, but you also got to pick like a major. Um, and I chose computer science. Okay. So, 
they and it sounds like that would be the point in which I became like a programmer and whatnot. No, that's that's not that's not how it happened. It wasn't that easy. Um, so they pitched it more like a typing class, and when I learned how to really design websites, it felt like I was learning MySpace, and that just really turned me off. Um, so I, I I'm mad at myself even to this day for not just sticking with it and really seeing what it was about. So I, it turned me off a little bit. Um, I got my GED, and then later in life, I was working on uh, Times Square, where you ever seen like the guys that have the, the tables out and they're selling stuff? Yes, yes. Okay, so I used to sell graffiti on hats and T-shirts, and okay. randomly one day, <laughs> so randomly one day, my homie calls me, and he's like, listen, um, there's a school for, that, that uh, teaches people a skill for free uh, from 16 to 20 years old. And I was 20 going on 21. So I jumped on that, right? Um, mm-hmm. I learned front-end web design and I learned uh, network engineering. And from there, um, I got some certificates, became a, a help desk engineer and then a network engineer, learned I wanted to become a software engineer, did that, and you know, here I am now. And, I, and it's funny because I, I, I talked to that, that my friend that called me and, and told me that all the time. And mm-hmm. I told him, you know, like that conversation changed my life. <laughs> like, I don't know if you realize that, but he, I don't even think he realizes like the gravity. Cause every time I tell him, he just kind of like brushes it off. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, I always thank him for that. You know, what's interesting. So you went through this program, but it seems like it opened up this large world of tech because to me, and I know you're, I know your background of you have a scrum master certification. You have the CCMP Mm -hmm. certification. I personally have never seen anyone have both of those. So (laughs) it just seems like it opened a large world of tech to you. Yeah. I mean, see, the thing was when I got into uh, co-op tech, which is the school that my my friend called me about, um, and I learned about network engineering, I realized that I was like very, very good at it um, Mm -hmm. because... So network engineering is more so there's one answer for every problem. Software engineering is more so your solutions will always have an upside and a downside compared to each other. So it's more like challenge work. Network engineering is like a test. And I was always good at that as a kid. Like if I could just remember the answer to something, then I can do it. So I got a lot of certifications in terms of network engineering very fast. Because uh, I just I just studied the text and knew what the answer was. Right. Blade it was like a ninety something. Um, yeah. So that that's where the CCNA and the CCMP came from. The Scrum Master was more so me growing into my understanding of technology and my personal interest because I felt like I love coding. But what I also love more is solving problems and really organizing them in a certain way, organizing the task to execute on a problem. So Scrum was learning how to run Scrum on my own was kind of the first step to do that. Interesting. So I am also Scrum Master certified. So I do want to dig into this a little bit more because I have never heard someone describe Scrum or being a Scrum Master this way. So are you a practicing Scrum Master right now? How big is your team? How are you working with your team? Let's go into some of those details. So it really depends on which project we're talking about. But um, usually on my side projects, I have about 
three or four people that I'm working with. Um, right now with MajorWise, I'm working with three individuals. And what I like to do is set up one-week sprints and break it up into really small chunks uh, and have either, uh, I want to say, two to three meetings during the week, one mandatory is two because I like to have one on Monday and one on Friday, just kind of like an opener and a closer, like, Hey, you know, uh, where, where have you, where, what have you done over the last week? What are you, what is, you know, blocking you? What's your task for the week itself? And, you know, how can we get rid of some of your blockers? And then Friday, just to kind of like check up on everyone and make sure, you know, everything has been completed and same, same thing pretty much, just kind of more towards the end of the week. And in some cases, maybe so, like, let's say it's crunch time. We need to make sure that everything is pristine. You'll have like a midweek check as well. I try not to do the midweek check because I know me as an engineer, I like to be left alone, <laughs> at least with my team. You know, uh, right. I don't want to feel like I'm constantly in meetings because it's like, then, you know, what am I going to code? Right, right. So for people who are looking to become scrum masters, let's discuss three things. What characteristics do you think someone should have? Do you think someone needs to be certified? And do you think that's mm-hmm. a good route to go career wise? So we'll start with the characteristics someone should possess. What are some of the characteristics you think someone should have to be a scrum master? So I do want to recommend uh, there's a video out there that says like uh, things that scrum masters shouldn't say. And it's just literally, uh, it's, it's more comedy than anything, but it is true. And it's just a really bad scrum master just doing and saying everything that you should not. So you should go out there and watch all the things that you shouldn't do as a, uh, a scrum master. But I will tell you all the things you should do as a scrum master. And that is, one, listen, you are not anybody's boss on that development team. So you need to constantly remind yourself because at times it can feel like that, like because you're organizing the situation. But that is literally all you're doing. You're literally just organizing everything so that it comes out in in a, a well, you're able to execute it on a, on a seamless uh, in a seamless fashion. So that's one thing. It's like remember to just keep listening to people because one, you don't you don't you don't know how to do anybody else's job, right? So the same way that you don't want an uh, engineer telling you how to do your job, you don't want to do this, the same thing back. Um, and I say that because a, a big thing that a lot of uh, scrum masters do that I've seen is basically kind of letting an engineer know without saying it that they could be doing like something faster or uh are you sure you can't move more issues into this week right here? Da, da, da. Like if that is the case and there is a team, the team will call that person out and you don't need to be, able, you don't need to be the person to do that. Um, if there's a team of say five engineers and one of them is taking a lighter load, the other four engineers, trust me, will say like, Hey man, you can take more. Um, you don't need to be the person that steps in and does that. So just more so being able to listen and take yourself out of a situation is, to me, one of the uh, best skill sets to have as a Scrum Master. I think, too, building relationships is very important as a Scrum Master because you need to have that relationship with your team so that they can trust you. Because I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of teams that have leadership. Well, as a Scrum Master, you're not a manager, but you're still a leader of a team. Right. You got to make sure everyone's working together. And man, if people don't trust you, they will not be doing any work for you. Let me tell you that yeah, right now. Yeah, you're, 
you're definitely a centerpiece. And this is why, this is kind of uh, what I'm trying to get across to people that, yes, you're not a manager, but yet, like you said, you kind of do tie everything together. You know what you're like? You're like the friend in the group that everybody confides in. Like, yes. that's what you kind of are, you know, because like, you're not a person's boss, but people do look to you, you know, and you have to make sure that the ship is, is running, running together. And, and your emotional and, and, and uh, uh, professional advice in certain instances, which people come to you for, can definitely help keep, keep everything uh, glued together. Exactly. And the team is reading your energy and what you're bringing to the table. So if you're not excited about a project or if you're like, oh, just get this over with, the team is going to feed off of that. Definitely go watch that video. It, it's, it's perfect for what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm definitely in the- no one has to worry. I'm definitely going to link it in the show notes. So you won't have to dig that far for it. So out of all of the positions that you've had, and let's do a rundown of them one more time, the Scrum Master position that you're in now, is that your favorite? I wouldn't even say Scrum Master is like my position. It's more so a hat that I wear as a CTO right. sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would say the most fun part of technology to me has been product management because that's the most top level kind of position, more more so seeing everything from an overview perspective and then also getting to execute on ideas more than anything, really thinking through these problems from like literally a product perspective rather than just a code perspective. Um, for me, that's probably where I shine the most and I have the most fun because I've always had this feeling that the larger your problem that you are solving, the more people that it affects, the better it is. There's a saying like, if you if you really want to make a billion dollars or a million dollars, you uh, solve a problem that a million people have and ask them for a dollar, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's for me, that's probably the most fun part. Interesting. Okay. And so you've had this amazing career path and you've had the opportunity to experience a lot of different positions in tech. Did you ever see your career path going that particular route? Did you just kind of shift based on your interest at the time? That's that's just about it. I'm I'm sure you you possibly have realized by now. I have a little <laughs> bit of like ADD within my life. <laughs> whatever whatever I find interesting at the time is what I gravitate towards. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't been the most plan heavy person and I think I've been blessed to to have ended up where I have without having to plan. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's never been more so of like a, that's where I want to go exactly, but kind of like a general pointing and seeing where, I, you know, what happens, right? Like I told you, I wanted to, uh, wanted to make video games and that, that just didn't work out. Um, I wanted, I ended up being a network engineer and I, I thought that would be it, but you know, that, that wasn't, and I became a software engineer and I thought that would be it. But then I was like, you know, there's, there's a problem out here. We need to solve this, created that. Um, and at, at some point I, I didn't think I would be a CTO, but 
hey, somebody somebody thought that I was equipped for the job, and I, I really loved the problem that they were solving, uh, and and it, it turns out to be this, a space that I, I really love being in. So one thing I I do have to touch on is because you're in New York, and the tech scene is big being that New York City itself is huge. I want to know your feelings about the New York tech. Is it welcoming? Is there a lot of opportunities out there? Oh, there's definitely a lot of opportunities. I mean, I I can actually name some friends off the top of my head that moved up here just because there's so much more opportunities versus, say, Atlanta or somewhere else. Not say that Atlanta doesn't have a lot of opportunities, but it's just, uh, it's there's a lot more up here. Um, but I would say in terms of the New York City tech scene in general, it's it's definitely thriving. There's there's a lot of in terms of diversity, and then not even not even only that, but uh, the actual technologies that are out here in terms of like the meetups that are based around certain technologies are insane. Like anything that you want to find in terms of specificity, if you want to go to a MongoDB meetup, if you want to go to a React meetup, if you want to go to a Neo4j meetup, like it's just there's. It's very, very specific things out here that you can find for your niche. And then not even just technology, but specific to diversity, right? Like We Build Black is just a piece of a larger puzzle. There's so many uh, much more things out here, such as, you know, girls who code, black girls code. Uh, There's NYC tech. um, There's there's NYC on tech. There's there's so many different uh, organizations out here that you really can't say that there's um, not somebody who you know, fits your, your identity. And if there's, if there's not, then, you know, it's a, it's a perfect place for you to stand up just like us and go make it at the end of the day, get your $20 a month, go make a meetup group. And I guarantee you, somebody's going to be out there that wants to, wants to uh, go to one of your workshops. You are exactly right. And speaking of pieces of the puzzle, there's still pieces of your puzzle that we haven't talked about. And that is your conference that's coming up. So tell my listeners the name of the conference and what it's about. The name of the conference is Mabens IO, Black Women in Tech, and it is really about uplifting Black women in tech who can, uh, one, find each other and, and connect each other to different opportunities and learn different things uh, from women doing workshops and panels. Uh, and of course, you know, get a sip a little wine and meet some friends. So how did you and your team come up with the concept for this conference? Um, so how we came up, f- up with it was we... Honestly, we've all had our different experiences. Uh, when I say we, I mean uh, us and the operational team. We've all had our different different reasons for why we wanted to actually create this conference. Me personally, uh, one experience has always stuck out to me in the very beginning of the um, the meetup group. We we were sitting down in our code lounge and. Some woman came and she was like, "Hey, my name's da da da, and you know, I'm I'm making this this little app, and you know, I just wanted to see what you guys were about, so I stopped by and talked to her. She she knew like three languages. She knew like Python, she knew JavaScript, and I think Swift for like iOS. It was like a whole bunch of stuff, right? And she clearly knew how to code. She wasn't just pulling that out of nowhere and saying that I know how to do this because she had an app she had built right in front of her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, "Okay, cool. So where are you working?" Cause you know all that. You better be working somewhere. <laughs> like you're not. You can't just be a hobby developer and all that. And right. she goes, "Oh no, I'm not working anywhere right now because I haven't applied anywhere because I don't feel like I'm a real developer yet." And I was mad for her, right? Like it, 
it's ridiculous that you feel like you're not a developer and you're better than half the guys who walk through here, right? Like that, right. that think that they're good. So what's 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 happening? Um, and and clearly there's a bit of imposter syndrome going on there, right? And of course, like I said, I feel personally close to that uh, that that emotion, and I think you know I, I really want to do everything for our people to knock that out in terms of technology. Uh, so I said, you know, we need to create this this conference. And we need to to put it out there so that other black women in tech know that there are people who look just like them who are doing the damn thing, you know, and, and, and you can learn from them and meet, meet them. And on top of that, they can probably connect you to great opportunities, you know? Yes, because good conferences are all about two things to me, either learning a new skill or the networking. The networking can be so valuable. Now, in regards to people who will be attending your conference, is there a certain demographic or certain people in tech that you're looking to attend? So we definitely like to focus on the niche of Black women, developer, data scientists, and designers, right? Because there are a good amount of conferences out there that already do a great job of highlighting people like the uh, marketing managers and brand managers and in product developers and, and the founders and whatnot, and, you know, like Black Women Talk Tech and, and Afrotech. And they do a great job at that. But we want to focus on our niche of the actual technologist sitting behind the computer. So anybody who is within that field, of course, like we, we want you to come as well. Um, but, you know, that that is our niche. And anybody who wants to help push the upliftment of that niche can definitely come as well. In some ways, the candidates can stick out. So the conference is in New York. I'm not sure if we said that already, but the conference is in New York. And for my listeners who want to attend, when is it? Where exactly is it? How can they get tickets? Let's give them all that information. For sure. So uh, it will be happening in Google's New York City location. Um, it'll be happening on May 18th from 8.30 to about 5 o'clock. And right now, uh, all the tickets are currently sold out, but we will be releasing another batch very soon. So I would uh, for sure listen out. Follow us on Instagram and We Build Black, uh, Twitter, We Build Black. Um, and or and definitely go on our, our website and sign up for the newsletter and, you know, we'll, we'll keep in touch. So you hear that on Black Tech Unplugged that the tickets are free. There is a batch coming out and you're going to want to tune in to We Build Black on Twitter to make sure that you don't miss your opportunity. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to just go back and talk about a couple of things that you've mentioned during our conversation today. So one thing that keeps coming up is imposter syndrome. And yeah. I know that's a big topic. So I do want to reiterate, first, let's start off with defining imposter syndrome. So from your perspective, what is imposter syndrome? So imposter syndrome is the feeling that you are not supposed to be what you are, right? Like you're an engineer in our particular uh, instance, and you just feel like you're not an engineer for whatever reasons that, you know, they may be. And then you mentioned that during your career and during your journey, you've experienced imposter syndrome. And for people who experience it firsthand, is there any advice that you could give on how to overcome imposter syndrome? Yes, definitely seek out your people. Seek out whoever you feel comfortable within your field, right? Um, For me, it was finding Black people. Um, For you, it might be finding people who listen to punk rock or like jazz and like, you know, knitters who like to code as well. Um, Whatever it is that may make you actually feel comfortable, search out that group 
and then look for mentors within that group. And it may not always be within your city. You may not be that uh, that fortunate because I live in New York City and, you know, I'm I have access to a lot of people. You may be in the middle of Milwaukee where there's not as many people. Um, search online. You know, don't 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 let that discourage you because there's a, a, a boatload of people out there and someone is going to help you. I think mm-hmm. that one thing that I've learned over time, too, is doing something to take back your power. There's something that's like sucking mm. your energy away and it's something that's making you feel that way. There's also the other half of it where it's like a reaction. What can you do to make yourself feel comfortable? Be it maybe you need a self-care moment where you're like, OK, I need to like get real quiet and meditate and take my power back. Or maybe it's something like you need to you like to read. So taking a moment, reading a book. No, I, I agree. I think there's some value in that thought. And to a degree, this is kind of what I did. I have always felt a bit of joy from being in situations that I'm quote unquote not supposed to be in. Um, so I, I think that's that's a good way of looking at it, right? Like, of course, it's still pretty you know, depressing at times that you can't necessarily find a black person within uh, the industry that you're in. You may it may not even just be technology, right? Like it may be the medical field or something to that degree. Um, but still, the fact that you are here, right, and you're quote unquote not supposed to be here, or you're it's just not a usual thing for you to be here. It's it's actually a bit uplifting to you know my soul and my ego but you know i've i've had a, a couple of situations where instead of looking at it like you know this is this is unfortunate this that this has happened to me i more so look at it like you have to deal with it like even if a person like let's say you know you're on the job and um you know you you may have a uh a particular discussion or, or or conflict with an individual because you're black, you know, and, and, you know, they don't want to see you in whatever space you're in. You look at it less so as like, oh, this is unfortunate, more so as like, whatever, they're mad because I'm here. You know, like it, it is what it is. Like I have this fortune and they're going to have to put up with it because I'm that good and they're not going to fire me. You know, and that's just just one example of an experience, but it's it's how you can flip it in your mind. So it's less of like a depressing thing and more of a a happiness thing. Yes. And again, it just depends on you as a person. Like everybody has a different response and reaction to things. But a few more questions that I have for you in regards to your future. So obviously you're doing amazing things for the New York tech scene. You have your conference, you have We Built Black. What do you see as the future for yourself and helping the black tech community? Well, I definitely want to grow both of the organizations that I'm in charge of right now. Um, that That's really where I'm at. Like I'm super happy in terms of, uh, you know, what I've built. And I just really want to focus on and, and, and continue to build uh, and, and grow. So in terms of the organization, I would like it to, one, build out, you know, the programs that we currently have right now and, and help them expand to other cities. And the same thing for uh, MajorWise, because we really focus on the tri-state area. Um, and I really want to make sure that all all high schools across America get this opportunity to, to really, you know, show their high school students what they can do um, before they actually even get into the, the college space and, and really learn with the, how they how they can um, take control of their lives, right? And mm-hmm. figure out exactly what where their interests lie. 
So yeah, that's, that's what I say. I, I really want to expand on the efforts that I've already created. And I can't wait to see more of what comes out of We Build Black. And also, I can't wait to hear from the individuals who attend your conference. And it sounds really exciting. I wish I could be there. And my last question for you today is, so we've talked about We Build Black, your conference. How can the Black Tech Unplugged community support your mission and your organizations and help you to continue thriving? I would definitely say just spread the word, tell people to sign up, you know, um, the same way that my friend changed my life by letting me know about a program. You can help a friend the same way. They may not know about us and they, or they may not know about a specific program that we're doing. And if you put them on, then, you know, you, you might actually do the same for them. So that's, that's what I could say. Definitely spread the word. Awesome. Any parting words before we end the podcast today? Yeah, I would say just keep going in your endeavors, reach out to, to people around you and make sure that, you know, you can, you, you're giving back as much as uh, the community has given back to you and uh, definitely spread the word about We Build Black and, and the conference. Thank you. Well, thank you for your time today, Devin. Well, thank you for helping me put my organization on, uh, on, a, on a pillar. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for listening to Black Tech Unplugged. Again, I'm Dina McKay and you can find the podcast on Instagram at Black Tech Unplugged as well as Twitter and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five-star review too. It would help me out a lot and help other people find the podcast. And also, don't forget, June 13th, there's a live podcast episode being recorded in Chicago. Make sure to grab your tickets. Until next time.